Hi friends, welcome back to It Takes a Kampong. It is 2022, you guys, and before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to wish you all a wonderful year ahead with hopefully some restful nights on the horizon. To kick off the year, I just wanted to start with a conversation I had late last year with Kelly, a respectful parenting coach and the founder of Juicy Parenting, a Singapore-based community that seeks to help parents extract the goodness out of parenting. (laughs) I just realized I said that a bit weird. Kelly is a mom of two, and you might actually know her from her old handle, Paper Exploits, on Instagram, where she first grew her following from her days of doing BBG high-intensity workouts and chronicling her life and times as a financial journalist before she made this exciting career pivot. I'm so grateful Kelly was able to make this time to chat with me to help me learn more about respectful parenting principles and to basically get a better understanding about what it is and what it isn't. Since we spoke in December, Kelly has already soft-launched her community to a founding batch of members. And if you'd like to learn more about Juicy Parenting, you can follow Kelly at Juicy Parenting on Instagram or go to juicyparenting.com to stay in the know. I've also linked her info in today's podcast description, so be sure to check it out. With that said, here is our conversation. Hi Kelly, welcome to It Takes a Kampong. Thank you so much for making time. It's super nice to get the opportunity to speak with you. Hi Amanda, thank you for having me. No problem, how are you doing? I'm good. I am... uh... Praying my children stay asleep for this. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. <laughs> um, yes, so I officially met you through a mutual friend, but um, I think I told you the last time we spoke that I've been following you for a while now, and I really admire and appreciate your authenticity. So I'm really, really excited to have you on. Oh, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me, especially because, you know, my platform's Instagram, right, so far, and Instagram is just like, not the place you would expect authenticity so it really does mean a lot when people say that so thank you no problem yeah so you know you're you're now a mom of two after welcoming little Evan about five months ago how has that been for you yeah um I would say overall it's been good and it's definitely been an up and down journey Mm -hmm. um so my kids are exactly 23 months apart so I had two under two for about a month right. <laughs> and yeah I mean it's been up and down like I would say the good is really really good like it's really sweet to see them together um, and the bad is also really really bad because you know for the first time I'm dealing with sibling conflict and Ooh. you know that's really really difficult to see right. um, so that has I would say that has been the biggest change in my parenting journey and that's also the biggest thing I'm dealing with right now. All right. Do you have siblings? I do. I have an older brother. He's three years older. Ah, uh, okay. So actually kind of similar in terms of an age gap. So one year more. Um, but honestly, I don't really remember <laughs> a lot of the conflict. And also probably because I was the younger one, right? It was probably like 
the one shielded from a lot of it. I don't know. I'll have to ask him what his experience was. <laughs> so from from what I hear and what I've seen on your platform, you are going through a really exciting career pivot. So you used to be a, a finance journalist and you know, quote unquote influencer on Instagram. Um, but now you are Oh my god, I hate that term. <laughs> that's why I use the 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 invisible quotation marks. <laughs> yes, I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> but yes, you are now moving into becoming a respectful parenting coach. Congrats. Tell us a bit Thank more about you. that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I guess for about a year now, I've been asked by parents, some of whom I know, and some random strangers from Instagram or other parenting groups I'm a part of. And they've always been like, can you please just do a course so that I can just learn everything in one shot? <laughs> and Mm. that's been going on for over a year now. And I've always been like, ah, no, it's not going to happen. Um, but then now I feel like I'm in a place where, I don't know, increasingly I've been thinking about it. I'm like, could this be a reality? Could I do it? And then the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? I want to do it. Like, let's do it. So um, I guess it's really in response to people asking But I'm doing this massive pivot now where I'm going from, you know, a decade of financial writing to becoming kind of like a, a coach for other parents who are looking to, you know, deal with the challenges of parenting better, um, to feel sane while they're doing it, and also to enjoy the process of parenting, which, you know, it's, it's really hard, right? Parenting is riddled with daily and sometimes it feels like on the minute challenges. And I think that, you know, we can make our lives a little bit easier and a little bit more enjoyable by parenting respectfully. So that's that's what the pivot is about. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be hopefully helping parents with their parenting journey. Um, and can I just say, like, I want to be clear, like, I am not a psychologist, like, it's not therapy. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> an early childhood educator either yeah um I would say I am like you know I'm a mom I'm, I'm a fellow parent just like you know the other parents coming to me for advice yeah um and I'm also just really a course nerd like if there's an <laughs> online course out there like I want to take it um and I've kind of invested like thousands of dollars and a crap load of time into taking courses including professional level ones and you know reading books and articles and I feel like this offering is more for people who are like, okay, I don't want to go through that journey. I don't want, like, it doesn't interest me to read all these books and to like do all these courses. Um, so just tell me what I need to know with like, what are the main principles? Mm. So yeah, I, I always just feel like I have to flag that out because I don't want to misrepresent it. I don't want people thinking like, oh, this person is like a child expert. Like, no, no, I'm not. Um, I think first and foremost, I'm I'm a fellow parent mm -hmm. um, and I'm just someone that has done like, it's just who I am. Like I over-research everything. So I'm just someone who has done a lot of research into this right. um, and, and I'm looking forward to sharing. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that caveat. Um, so, okay. Just, just taking a pause and, and taking a step back, right. For someone, for, for people that might be the uninitiated, like what exactly is respectful parenting? Um, so respectful parenting, I feel like there are so many terms out there. 
that describe the approach. So there's like gentle parenting, responsive mm. parenting, positive parenting, you know, all of these terms that kind of espouse the same approach. Um, and I like respectful parenting because I think it cuts to the heart of what this is, um, which is basically treating everybody with respect. And I don't just mean your child, I mean yourself as well. Um, and I think to explain respectful parenting, it is easier to talk about what it is not <laughs> mm-hmm. um, before talking about what it is. So what respectful parenting is not, it is not, um, it's not punishments. It's not using physical violence like caning. It's not using threats. Basically, it's not using anything to manipulate your child to ensure compliance. It's actually quite the opposite. So instead right. of manipulation, it's it's not an adversarial relationship. You know, I think with respectful parenting, the parent and the child are on the same team. It's not something where you are kind of like manipulating this little being to create a desired outcome. It's about accepting that, okay, we're on the same team, we're working toward the same goal and we are prioritizing connection between each other, um, between the child and between the parent. Um, and that eventually does get you, hopefully, you know, a positive outcome, but it doesn't involve kind of threatening your kid or frightening them or shaming them into something, mm. into doing something that they don't want to do. Right. And I think also, you know, I think a hallmark of respectful parenting also is accepting feelings and emotions. Whereas I think with more conventional styles of parenting, it's very common to hear things like, don't cry, or, you know, you're, you're a big boy, don't cry already. Um, and with respectful parenting, I think there's a fundamental difference where there is not just an acceptance, but also kind of, you know, a, a deep respect for feelings that they are there for a reason. They tell us something and they are not to be shut down, they're to be welcomed and to be tended to and used as a North Star to say, okay, I feel this, I notice I feel it, where do I go from here? So right. I would say, Every time I try to explain respectful parenting, I find it's easier to talk about what it is not because that's more easily understood. I think that's more um, widely used and respectful parenting is something that is so, so different that it's kind of easier to understand it as a foil. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think for someone like me, I mean, I have a basic understanding of, of what respectful parenting is based on my own research but you know I'm learning a lot just from what you've just described it as but um, thinking about it I mean it actually sounds like quite counter to how I've been raised as in mm-hmm. you know as someone that comes from a Chinese family where you know punishment and discipline is pretty commonplace I would say mm-hmm. just in the form mm-hmm. of like you know threats for example that you you had brought up as an example like you know if you if you don't do this then you're gonna get this or you know mm-hmm. i told you already right like you shouldn't have done this or that that kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah it sounds like it's a behavior that you know someone like me might need to unlearn when parenting for the next generation yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think the fact that you're even conscious of it you know, you're already on that path. Even if you do nothing else and don't know where to go after, like mm-hmm. the fact that you've noticed, I think is a very powerful thing. 
Um, and I don't think your experience is unique. It's my experience too. It's, um, you know, I have the most like non-traditional parents and yet it has still been a very Asian parenting kind of um, method. And also I, I don't like saying Asian because I feel it's quite reductive and it kind of like just flattens everything out and loses yeah. the nuance. But, and, and when I talk about this to people who are not Singaporean, they say, oh, I was parented like this too. Like I was spanked, I was shouted at, I was mm. told like I'm not allowed to cry. And so I think there is some universality in this, but I, I think I'm conscious about the Asian aspect just because of the situation in Singapore, you know, this is where this is where the examples are like when people come to talk to me about all that stuff so anyway but can I circle back to something you mentioned about you use the word discipline Mm -hmm. and I feel like discipline has become this like really scary word where people think about discipline as you know like this big figure talking down to a little figure and kind of like scolding with a tone of like a shaming tone or a blaming tone Mm -hmm. but actually if you think about you know the word discipline if you look at the etymology um, it's actually a Greek word and it actually talks about learning like the root of discipline is actually learning it is not punishment it is not scolding it's actually how to guide a child to learn and yet it has become this I feel like the word discipline has now become this really scary word that evokes ideas of threats and blaming and shaming and it doesn't have to be that and I think that if we can think about discipline in terms of helping a child learn you know helping rather than scolding then you know it's a it's a massive perspective shift that can help us as parents when we think about okay how do we guide a child rather than how do we straighten out a child (laughs) yeah yeah unfortunately it's also a product of the the system the school system here in Singapore right in terms of how the word discipline is used oh yeah 100% like you even have a discipline master or mistress yeah like doles out the punishments (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess maybe we can have a a bit of you know a discussion on how respectful parenting can be put in action just you know in terms of like some examples of of how it can be applied I guess so let's say you know you're out with your toddler and they're having a meltdown in public like how would someone that wasn't attuned to respectful parenting typically respond and how would you apply the respectful parenting type of principles to that situation yeah yeah sure um maybe I can just talk about an experience that I had um, way back when, you know, my first child, Kate, was just a baby. I hadn't even been, you know, I hadn't been faced with the problem of the challenge of a child melting down. Like my child was just not old enough to have one of these, you know, mm-hmm. big meltdowns yet. Um, so my husband, Kate and I, we were out meeting friends at a restaurant and the friends had a kid, I think, like she's like three four at the time and she really 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 wanted you know her favorite dish at this restaurant and when the parents were ordering they were told that that dish is like it's not available today um and so they ordered something else and then when the dishes came she just started like 
freaking out. <laughs> mm. Full on, like, this is not what I want. I wanted the other thing. Why? Like, I just want this thing. And like, the poor parents, right? Like, coming from a really good place, were trying to explain that, you know, yeah, we, we wanted to order it, but it wasn't available. And so this is what we have. Like, this, this is just what it is right now. And the kid just kept on going, like, full on yelling that, like, this is not what he, uh, she wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember at the time, I was just like, okay, I'm going to put into practice <laughs> what I've been learning in my courses. I just turned to the kid and I, I put my hand on her shoulder and I just kind of looked her in the eye at her level and I was just like, you really, really wanted that, huh? And I just kind of said that one line. And she looked at me and she kind of had the sweetest little like pouty face. Like, <laughs> like she nodded and was like, mm-hmm, like, I really, really wanted that kind of vibe. Yeah. And then it was done. And then she turned around, ate whatever was in front of her, and she said, hmm, yummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember at the time thinking, holy crap, like, this thing works. Like, helping the child feel seen and heard really works. And it's not that the parents are doing anything wrong. They were doing probably what I would have done, right? Like, explaining very logically that, we were going to get this and now it's not here and this is what you have but I think what was missing in the puzzle that I had learned in my course I mean I can't take credit for this I didn't make it up it's stuff that I have learned Mm -hmm. is that actually more than anything fundamentally usually meltdowns are not about the thing in this case the dish it's about some underlying need that for some reason can't be expressed whether the kid has limited vocabulary or the kid just doesn't even know that that's what's bugging them in the first place and so the number one thing we can do as parents is to always just connect and so by connecting by telling the child I see how much you really wanted that and with a really a tone of understanding and acceptance rather than ridiculing it and just being like why do you keep harping on this thing Mm. you know it's not important just really showing yeah I I get it it's disappointing when you don't you're really wanting this thing and then now it's not here yeah and just that little little statement just that little intervention can create just change the mood entirely um and I remember at the time like that was my first big um experience and it wasn't even with my child and so I just thought wow what more how more powerful would it be if it's the parent who can do this? I mean, immediately the mood changes. Immediately the meltdown is taken from a hundred back down to a one, a zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I feel like the number one thing that parents can do, and I try to remind myself of, is I don't even have to change the situation because sometimes the situation can't be changed. Like there's no dish <laughs> right now. Yeah. But what I can do is to connect with the child and to say that, hey, I really see you. Like I really see how disappointing this is and even though it's not a big deal to me I would never say that to the child Mm. I would let the child know I can see what a big deal it was for you Mm. and in my experience that really helps to de-escalate it right so that's just like off the top of my head like one scenario because and this one has always stuck with me just because it's it was my first experience of seeing that wow this stuff really works yeah, that actually sounds simple, 
but <laughs> like even something as simple as like uh, simple to me not simple to the child obviously something like removing a piece of tissue from a tissue box <laughs> like sometimes a meltdown could happen just because I've taken it and I didn't allow my child to take it you mm. know like children get to the stage as toddlers where they really want to feel in control they really want power and something as simple as taking the piece of tissue that they wanted to take can result in this humongous outburst and to us as parents if we just see it as like look it's just a piece of tissue will you chill out um that's going to escalate it further and i can see how yeah i could see how someone would respond that way because yeah it's just a piece of tissue paper yeah but it's important to realize that you know if it's a big deal for your child it's a big deal they don't need your judgment in that moment they need your understanding and acceptance and connection mm-hmm. and that is exactly what is going to de-escalate the moment versus uh you know what it's just tissue paper <laughs> and i think like a lot of this is is being cognizant of like where your child is at so i think for me what really convinces me about respectful parenting is the neuroscience behind it like there's so many studies about toddlers brains and how they're just not capable of emotional regulation of impulse control um these are things that you know the frontal brain does the frontal lobe of the brain does and that doesn't develop until you're like in your late 20s so what more a 2 3 4-year-old child um you know to expect them to be able to calm themselves down to be, expect them to be able to see look it's just a piece of tissue paper i don't need to melt down i think is an unrealistic expectation yeah and so understanding the science of a toddler's brain for me has really helped because i've realized that like look i wouldn't ask my child to put on his own pants at like 6 months old or even 1 year old so why would i expect them to be able to do something far harder like regulate their emotions right like we seem to have an understanding and acceptance of a child's physical limitations right what's developmentally appropriate physically at that time but we don't seem to have the same compassion and understanding when it comes to emotional limitations yeah um and i think for me once i understood that look this is just science like it's not some woo woo crap by hippie parents <laughs> it's science and it's it's really grounded in you know developmentally appropriate expectations of your child i think that was what really changed my perspective and helped me realize okay it's it looks like a crazy meltdown but it's not a crazy meltdown it makes a lot of sense right it's really really insightful and it's making me wonder why more people don't know this uh or or rather why it's not more you know common place for people to be aware of something like that yeah yeah and i think yeah i just i wish it were more well known because i feel like you know our perception is everything right and if mm. we come to it perceiving that the meltdown is irrational then how we respond is going to be far less compassionate and far less effective because it's less compassionate um but if we can change our mindset and if we can understand that no this is not illogical to them it makes a lot of sense to them mm. then we might be able to perceive it differently and then respond differently and hopefully have a more effective 
way of approaching things that doesn't lead to, you know, the parent melting down as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah. Also, the other thing I want to say is like, whenever I talk about these things, I'm always very careful to tell people that, you know, if you like, if you hear these examples and you think, man, I've done that before. I'm a terrible parent. I've damaged my child. Like, no, like just stop right there. You know, like, first of all, we all do. I, I really firmly believe that we are all doing our best as parents. No one wants to do a substandard job for their child. Like, no, everyone wants the best for their child. And everyone is really doing and trying their best. And their best looks like whatever knowledge they have at the time and whatever resources they have at the time. Yeah. And so I hope that people don't listen to this and feel judged or feel like, you know, shamed about it, about things that they may have done in the past or approaches they may have used. Because you only do what you know. And I really firmly believe that as parents, we're trying our best. And so it's a case of when you know better, then you do better, right? Like we will all make parenting mistakes. Like we're human. I actually think it's really important for kids to see their parents make mistakes. Um, Mm. It's part of the journey. And what's important is how you repair afterwards. But anyway, that's a separate topic. I just wanted to say that, you know, if you recognize yourself in some of these examples, I don't think, I, I can understand why you might feel like, ah, oh, crap, like I've screwed it up and I'm a terrible person because that's how I would feel too. <laughs> but I really try and tell myself, you know, it's really, A, it's not productive and B, I think we can give ourselves the same kind of compassion and talk to ourselves in the same way that we talk to our kids. Mm. Um, if we can do that, then yeah how how much how much more enjoyable the process would be and I think it also speaks to something you mentioned you know at the start about how we were parented as children and how you know that's what we know and I don't blame my parents in any way for anything they might have done because I am very clear that we parent based on how we were parented Mm -hmm. and unless there is a very conscious decision to do something differently um we're just going to repeat what was done because that's what we know. That's how we were brought up. That's what we experienced. And so mm-hmm. I think with respectful parenting too, I said at the start that it's not just about treating your child with respect. It's also about treating yourself with respect. Um, a lot of it is thinking about like really doing some honest reflection. How were you parented? What was allowed when you were a child? What was not allowed when you were a child? And those answers will likely be really illuminating in terms of telling, making you realize, oh, this is why I do X, Y, Z, because this was what was done to me. Um, you know, in respectful parenting, it's always said that whatever was not allowed for you as a child is what will trigger you now. So for example, if you were always told, stop crying now, it's probably really triggering for you to see your child cry because you were not allowed to cry as well. And Mm -hmm. so you think, look, just stop crying. Um, And so a lot of this journey, honestly, it's not even about the child, it's about ourselves. It's about thinking about how we'll be parented, thinking about what our triggers are and why, and reparenting the inner child inside of us now to say, you know what? You are safe. (laughs) You are safe now. There are ways we can address any triggers that we have and there are ways that we can move on from this and I think that is why respectful parenting is so so powerful because 
when we realize that we don't want to parent the way we were parented, it's it's a very clear moment of breaking an intergenerational cycle yeah. where you said, I don't care how my great-great-grandfather did it and my grandfather did it and so on. It stops with me and I'm not passing that on to my child. And how powerful that can be for your child's children and their children. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, that's always something that's very, very powerful, like in the hard moments when I feel like I want to descend into the chaos too. And sometimes I do, don't get me wrong, I definitely do. But, you know, the times where I'm able to stay really sturdy and really firm, it's when I think about these bigger picture things, like these down the road things, when I realize and like tell myself, Kelly, you are a cycle breaker. You are, you are doing this, like this is hard work. And it's okay that it feels hard because it is hard and I can do it. Um, that's something that I feel is really, really powerful. Yeah, 100%. And thank you for sharing that, first of all. Um, and, and you couldn't see me, but uh, while you were talking earlier, I was like nodding fervently as you were <laughs> you were like going on. Um, but yes, 100%. And I, I felt very uh, seen <laughs> as you were talking as well, just because it's something that I'm, I struggle with and I'm trying to work on myself, just in terms of breaking that cycle and um, reparenting that inner child work. I think, yeah, it's nice to to know that it is something that will have an impact and will have a positive impact on my child and the generation that comes after even. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate you saying that as well. Um, actually, I wanted to ask, um, a separate question that's, I guess, kind of related. So obviously, you know, mm-hmm. parenting isn't uh, a, a solo job in the sense that, you know, you you do it with your partner, right? And how how does your partner feel about it? And is he also on board? And does he also need to take the course with you? Like, like, is he, you know, like, is he also, you know, on the same page when it comes to this? And if he's not, then how did you convince him? Yeah, it's such a good question. I feel like so many people come to me and one of the big questions they have is like, how do I get my spouse on board? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I feel like this is really like at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. So, I mean, in my personal case, um, my husband is super on board and I wouldn't say that this, any of this comes naturally to either of us. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful he's on board because it does make it a lot easier. Um, I guess how it has happened is I'm the cause nerd. I'm the one who's doing a lot of the research and then I take it to him. And like literally sometimes like, I just did a course and I had some like homework reading and it was such a good article. And I like, as so he was like, we were packing up after dinner and I literally like sat on a stool next to him and I was like, okay, I have to read this out to you. And I literally like read the whole thing. Um, so I think that's a lot of how our dynamic goes where I come with the information and then I share it. And then we usually mm-hmm. have like a really in-depth chat about it that ends up spanning like talking about our own childhood or our own sibling dynamics and how that has shaped who we are today. And I think that's what I really value that we're able to have a conversation about it. And actually just the other night, I was telling him about how I really, really appreciate that we are able to talk about this honestly. Like, I can tell him the 
deepest, darkest, most horrible confession <laughs> about how I parented today. And I have no fear that he's going to be like, you know what? You are awful. I'm going to like take the kids away. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I feel like that is so, I really, it's something I really treasure. I really hold on to. Um, and I also, I recognize that, you know, this is not the case for everyone, right? Like I recently had a mom tell me that her husband is kind of like, you do it your way and I'll do it mine. Like, it's great you're reading all this stuff and it's great you want to do it, but I don't want to do it and don't talk to me about it. And it's mm. kind of like an insult. And I think it's actually quite a common situation. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I I really feel for for these moms or these parents, you know, it's not always just the mom. It could be the dad too. Um, yeah, I really feel for them and it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation to be in. And what I always tell these people is that based on the research I've done, um, it's quite clear that actually you really only need, that a child really only needs one caregiver to parent respectfully, um, to really be that secure base that helps the child be seen and knows that, you know, the child knows that no matter what, this is the one person who gets me and this is the one person who I can rely on to be respectful of me and my emotions and my uniqueness and everything. And of course, you know, wouldn't it be great if there were two or there were three, but they really just need the one. Um, So at a baseline level, if, if that's you and you feel like you're doing this on your own, like I see you, I'm, I can only imagine how difficult it is and, you know, keep fighting the good fight because your child deserves it. And the research shows that they all, they just need one person and imagine all the good work you're putting in. Now they're going to be that one person for someone else later, may not even be their own child, could be someone else. So that's, that's what I always tell parents who, who, who tell me that, you know, they're struggling with getting their spouse on board. Mm-hmm. And also about your question about whether my husband <laughs> takes courses. So he's actually said that he wants to be part of like my founding batch. <laughs> he wants to do the course too. Oh, he says so that supportive. like, you know, we talk, we talk about it. Yeah, he's super supportive. He's just like, you know, we talk about it, but like he's really interested to see like, you know, what else comes up like, in a group setting um, beyond just what the two of us chat yeah. about. And actually it's really heartening. Like I kind of have this, form that I've been asking people to fill out like people who want to be posted about when I launch and um I actually have quite a few dads in there yeah, and I think I, I that's was just like, about to say like I'm I'll be really surprised if there was more than one dad as part of the course yeah. just based on like assumptions I know yeah no there are a few dads definitely it's skewing you know way over majority female um, but still, the fact that there are a few dads, I think that's so great and so powerful because imagine if they have like these conversations with their guy friends and then, you know, maybe more people would be open to it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a lot of work. Like it's it's hard work, like you mentioned, and having to rewire or reframe our brains to think in a different way to our knee-jerk reactions is going to be very tough in general, but... Um, yeah. would you would you have any tips for someone that might be wanting to apply this in their life but struggle to do that? Yeah, I would say, first of all, you don't have to do it alone, 
right? Like find like-minded people who are struggling just like you, who are trying to make a change just like you. And I always believe in accountability buddies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Someone who can be with you on that journey. And, you know, you don't have to do it alone. There are like-minded parents. They're hard to find, but they're there. Um, That's number one. And number two, for me personally, I find that um, having a mantra really helps. Like if my child is like spitting out and the baby's crying as well and there's just chaos everywhere. Um, there are many things I tell myself and the chief thing is my child is not being difficult. She's having a difficult time. And yeah. I don't know why, but for that, for me, that is such a powerful line. Like it always helps to bring me back to like, look, she has been on this planet for like a fraction of the time I've been on. And if I am feeling like things are getting chaotic, imagine what she's feeling. Mm. So it is my responsibility as the adult to show up and to be calm and to stay present for her because she cannot do that on her own. Like if I'm feeling affected, oh man, imagine what this tiny body is feeling. Um, And I think having that perspective, relating it back to myself and telling myself she's not being difficult. Like this is not her choice. Mm -hmm. always always helps me um i know for other people there's another mantra that's really popular that is um this is not an emergency um which i think what that's supposed to do is kind of calm your fight or flight and tell yourself like it's not an emergency i don't need to be pumping adrenaline through my veins you know i can bring this down Mm. for some reason that doesn't work for me so i would say find a mantra that speaks to you um if i mean there, there are tons online and and just go through them, just try them out. You, you'll very quickly figure out mm. what works and what doesn't work for you. And also I feel like, you know, it is really difficult work rewiring our brains. Um, and I do feel that ultimately we have to respond in some way. When our child is melting down, we have to respond somehow. And the question is, are we going to respond in a way that we're going to regret later, which is a way worse feeling than taking a moment to say a mantra, to breathe, to remind yourself they are so much younger than you and they have so much more to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like for me, that is always a better option. Not to say I don't descend into chaos, I do. There are times I definitely do. And I know the crappy feeling of, man, I really should not have done that. Mm. Um, And each time that happens, it reminds me again, like, you know, I have a choice. I can choose something else next time. Yeah. not to say that it always works, but I think at least being conscious about it and you know doing the work to rewire your brain, accepting that there will be times that you slip up and it's okay. This is what rewiring looks like. It's not a linear path. It, if you chart it on a on a graph, it's not going to be, you know, a straight uphill journey. It's it's just not. And if we can accept that, then I think our journey is going to be a lot easier. Mm. And can I also say, this is coming from like a real type A perfectionist person. Like I have <laughs> mega perfectionist tendencies. So the fact that I have had to come to terms with the fact that this is not a linear journey, if I can do it, you can do it. Trust me. Like I'm the most type A person you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really great advice. I think, yeah, as an example, like my my husband is a really like logical person and you know mm-hmm. with newborn crying it can sometimes be very mm-hmm. senseless and it can go on for yes. quite long and it will get yes. very loud so 
mm-hmm. I think it it gets to him sometimes that he's not able to just like you know regulate himself, take a moment to to breathe, and like you mentioned, uh, think about a mantra that works for him before reacting. And sometimes like it does escalate to a point where he he will speak in a firm tone, for example, like mm-hmm. you know, please stop or something. Which is just like a knee jerk mm-hmm. reaction to crying, <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely something that you know people struggle with, and yeah, I think the tips that you mentioned, we'll give that a try the next time around. I'll I'll relay those to him, or you know, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna take Kevin's advice, babe. <laughs> you should be listening. It's your life podcast. <laughs> Uh, but yes, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, right, yeah, I think it with with respectful parenting, a lot of it is also modeling when your child is a bit older, maybe not at the baby, you know, newborn stage, but it's about modeling the behaviors that you want them to have as well as an adult, because that's how they absorb and they learn to like you know learn how to be. Yeah, and. Actually, Amanda, can I challenge you on that when you said that maybe not when they're babies? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. So I really fundamentally believe that this starts like even before birth. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I know this makes me sound like some like woo-woo crazy lady, but like <laughs> I really believe that like our our attitudes, what we bring, the tones of voice we use, like everything, like a fetus is picking up on that. Um, so I don't think a baby is too young to, to um, model a gentle way of doing things. And, mm. you know, even things like, um, like diaper changing, right? Telling your baby, okay, it's time for your diaper change. I'm going to pick you up now. Mm. And then I'm going to lay on the mat. And then there's going to be a wipe. And it might be a bit cold. And here I go, I'm going to wipe now. You know, like really explaining and taking the time to slow down and talk about what is happening. Because imagine to a baby, I mean, that must be quite a quite a big thing to be lying on the ground. Someone picks you up and then someone undresses you and someone wipes something cold on you. Yeah. Versus taking the time to slow down and actually tell them what you're doing. You're modeling that I see you as a person, you're a whole person. I care. I care that this is something big for you, mm-hmm. even if it's not something big for me. Right. And you know, doing this slowly over time, I have no doubt that they learn, oh, this is how this is how I can be treated. And this is such a lovely way to be treated. And then, you know, that they can do it next time. Like it's really sweet. Like seeing my my toddler Kate. Um, I mean she ha- like I said sibling conflict is a thing right now, but seeing her be so kind and loving to her brother like she will tell him before she leaves the room she'll be like okay Evan I'm leaving now one second I'll be back and like of course she didn't like just come up with that she learned that from hearing us say it all the time yeah um or like if I'm having a hard time and she goes mama upset and I'm like yeah okay I'm a bit upset right now and she'll be like mama take deep breath And I'll be like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's take a deep breath together. And then she'll breathe with me. Like she'll show me how to breathe and slow my breathing down. Oh my God. And yeah, people would say, 
a two-year-old, there's no way she's doing it, but she is. And it's not because I've taught it to her. It's because she's seen me do it over and over. Mm. Kate, are you upset? You seem upset. Okay, how about we take some deep breaths together? Let's do it together. And when I'm done, she'll be like, Mama, feel better now? You know, so like, there's so many things to unpack there, right? Even A, noticing someone's upset. Mm-hmm. B, showing them what they can do about it. C, checking in on them later to ask if they're okay. Like, these are things that you really cannot teach in the conventional sense. You have to model. And it's modeling over and over and over and over and over again. Every time, in the small ways, all these things will show up in a big way later. And I think with parenting, it's so hard sometimes. You don't know if you're doing the right thing in the moment, right? It's like one of these cruel, it's like the most cruel thing. You don't know whether what you're doing is actually going to bear fruit until it does. And so I feel like with respectful parenting, it's one of those things you've just kind of got to hold on and believe that, yes, all this hard work is going to pay off. And I can honestly say that even just in these small ways, I mean, Kate's only two and I do see that it's paying off. Um, Mm. It's not like I'm some super parent and she's some angel child I think this is accessible to everybody um and it's not something that you know you don't have to be rich to do it (laughs) you don't I'm not saying like buy this five thousand dollar thing and become a better parent it's not that at all you can find it within yourself and I think to me that's so powerful Mm -hmm. but anyway I'm sorry I really digress I go back to the whole baby and so My my point is that, you know, all of these interactions, they may seem small, but they stack up, they add up. I mean, think about how many times you diaper a baby in a day. Yeah. All this adds up over time. And showing your baby that you're narrating, you're telling them what's going to happen next. At some point, they're going to realize, huh, this is how I speak to people as well. And I feel that that's so much more powerful by showing them that, like, look, your first ever caregiver, this is how they treat you. What what a wonderful experience. I mean, I want to be a baby that gets loved like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's definitely the long game. It's not something that will you'll see the fruits of overnight. So yeah, I've learned so much just having this conversation with you. And I really appreciate that. Um, something else I guess I wanted to share as a first time parent, something that helped me with uh, getting into that mindset was reading the Montessori baby, which I think has mm-hmm. some of the the principles that you had mentioned about, you know, thinking about them as a whole person and some of the respectful parenting uh, values that you had mentioned about, you know, just narrating what you're doing, being gentle and deliberate with your actions, even when you're changing their diaper, for example. So yeah, if that's something that, you know, parents might be keen to to get a start on on understanding that a bit I think reading that book in particular helped me quite a fair bit did you also by any chance read that book no I didn't honestly I found respectful parenting um not actually through a book um an acquaintance of mine I mean she's a friend now like a Facebook friend who's you know, like you added her a long time ago and then she's there and then you see her stuff. She was posting stuff about Janet Lansbury and Mark de Gerber. Mm. Um, and Mark de Gerber is like seen as the founder of Respectful Parenting. Yeah. Um, she was posting blog posts. She had kids way earlier than I ever did. I discovered these things even before I got married. And I'm just like so thankful to her to this day that she was posting this stuff because... 
I would never have chanced upon it. Mm. And I would, I don't know what parent I would be. Like, I would just be completely different. I mean, maybe I would have discovered it later, but I mean, how great that I discovered it early. Yeah. Um, of course, having a child and then there's nothing like doing it and going through it. It's a whole different ball game. but at least I was exposed to it beforehand. And so I never, I didn't really get to it by a book. I got to it by a random Facebook posts. Mm. So yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, to this day, I'm super grateful. Yeah, you know how I found out about the book? Tell me. Instagram. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but you know, I really don't like Instagram as a platform. Like, I feel... Sorry, do we have time for this? Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> okay. I feel like Instagram, it's very... I don't know. It's very personality-led. So, like, for me, I feel like people can get to know me, but I can't really get to know them. And mm. it's also so, um, it's so based on whatever the algorithm wants to spit out at you, you know? Yeah. And it changes all the time. And I also feel like for like-minded parents who want to connect with each other, like, let's say, among my followers, there are parents who really think the same way and, you know, it would be great if they could meet and chat. But they would it's really hard for them to meet. Like, why, where would they ever figure out, like, oh, hey, like, we are alike. Let's, <laughs> let's see if we can be friends or see if we can become mom friends and have play dates. Like, it's really, I feel like Instagram is just so limited when it comes to community building. And mm. it's great for absorbing information yeah. um, from a personality that you follow, but it's not really great for having like deep and meaningful conversations and thinking about things together and struggling through things together. Like it's just, I guess it's an unfair criticism because it's not built. It's not what it was built for, but I find myself thinking about it a lot. Like now that I'm pivoting and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, how can I help like-minded parents find each other and how can we journey together? It's just so clear to me that even though my existing platform is on Instagram, it's just not, not really conducive for what you know I feel parents need which is a community to to kind of grow together yeah for sure and as someone that kind of works in that space as well like Instagram is definitely you know the more manicured version of yes, yes. of your life right it's your highlight reel it's not quite like you mentioned it's hard to be authentic on it per se but it's for me at least I can't speak for everyone it's been a good place to find information and learn about new things and yeah I actually appreciated the algorithm although I must say most of the time I don't but because it you know learned my behavior of of what I've been absorbing and scrolling that it started to push more of that content to me as well which is how I learned about other nice. things especially in relation to parenting so I think right. it has its pros in that sense but yeah to each their own I guess um yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm really I excited to to hear more about the community that you will be building and I guess to end off our conversation tonight maybe you can share with us a bit more about what you have up your sleeve coming up and Maybe a sneak peek if you can. Yeah, sure. So um, what I'm doing is kind of like, it's twofold. Um, 
first there'll be a course which is responding to people being like can you please do a course <laughs> i want to know like the basics of respectful parenting so in the course i'm going to just be sharing um the kind of like the foundational principles of respectful parenting like the thought process behind it the theory behind it um so that if you never read a book and if you never do a course like you'll get what you need to know um from this course um but more than that I guess this is just coming from my own experience as a zero course taker. I love doing courses, but I feel what's missing is the community aspect after that. Like when your course ends, how do you journey along with your classmates? How do you how do you find a way to grow together? Mm-hmm. And so what I'm doing as well in addition to the course is building a community of like-minded parents. Um it's it's worldwide. I mean, I have people from like Germany and Lebanon saying they want to join, but I think because I am here, I'm Singaporean, I'm focused here. It, there will be an Asian bent to it, um, kind of like an, a platform for like-minded parents who want to do differently from the Asian upbringing, mm. um, who can kind of be together and share their struggles. Um, so there's a community aspect where you can share like what you're dealing with, and I can help them pick it apart and figure out how we can implement, you know, the principles that we learn in the course. How do we then implement it in real life? Like I think that's where the fun and the power will be mm-hmm. because it's it's real life examples. Like, hey, I am struggling with leaving the playground without a gigantic meltdown. Like, okay, let's pick that apart. What is going on right now? How can we use these principles and implement them, uh, put them in action? Um, and so there'll be it'll be membership based. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important to me. Like, I really want to give this the time and the energy that it requires mm-hmm. and I cannot be doing that for free so it will be membership based um, and what I'm thinking is there will even be things like monthly challenges where you know instead of trying to improve everything at once as a community we're going to work on one thing just one thing this month um, maybe it's yeah really paying attention to your baby while you diaper them or it's about we're going to focus on leaving the playground mm-hmm and what steps we can take to make it a peaceful process. Um, and then, you know, there'll be reflections and people can share how it went. Um, and yeah, and then hopefully, you know, with time, this community grows into, I hope, a really supportive, non-judgmental, shame-free space where people can really open up about what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing for me with Instagram, right? Like, I don't share, it's a conscious decision for me to not share a lot about my kids. Um, and I feel like there may be a bit of a miss like this feeling of a misunderstanding of what is actually going on like you know like talking to you I'm telling you about the meltdowns that happen I'm telling you about the times where I do join in the chaos but these are not things that I share on Instagram because it's so public and I have you know followers that I don't even know whereas if it's a close community of people who are committed to doing better like there's and we know that there's no shame there's no judgment here. This hopefully will become a space where people can really just be themselves and really share what's going on. Because I think as parents, we're doing each other a disservice when we just say everything's going fine and everything looks great and our house is always clean. Like, no, that's not real life. That's not what happens. And yeah. I think the more we can normalize it, the more we can show that, hey, everybody is struggling including that person you see on instagram who you think is leading a perfect life like no that's just because she's not sharing like i don't i have 
no hands to share when a meltdown happens. And also on a principal basis, I don't really want to be sharing publicly mm-hmm. what my child had a meltdown yeah. about. Um, and hopefully within this community, it will be different. You know, it's I'm deliberately hosting it off social media. It's not going to be a Facebook group. Um, it's going to really be a private gated space. And I hope that that helps give people the security they need to say, okay, I feel safe here. Mm-hmm. I can really share what the hell is going on. Because we all know parents have a ton of crap going yeah. on. And the more honest we can be about it, I think the better for everyone. Yeah. I I absolutely love it and I'm really looking forward for it to come to life very soon. Thank you. Honestly, I'm so excited because I feel like it's doing something good. Like it's purpose driven. It's I, I don't know if I can help even just like 10 more families parent in a more joyful way and they feel that okay, great, we have a game plan to do this. It's not going to be chaos every day. Um and yeah. if I can even just help like a few parents just stop caning their children, I think I will I, I don't know, I just feel like I'm really excited about it. I feel like it would be such a meaningful thing to do. So yeah, I'm really excited. And thank you for being excited for me too. <laughs> no, hundred percent. You you're doing amazing work and I think you should be very, very proud of yourself. Oh, thank and... you. Yes. <laughs> I didn't hear a baby cry, so I think Evan should be sleeping. (laughs) But yes, thank you again for um, spending your precious time with me this evening. And I look forward to catching up with you offline. Thank you. Thank you so much. And really, thank you for having me. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me if you followed us on Instagram at ItTakesAKampong. Feel free to slide into our DMs to share your thoughts or let me know what you might like featured next. Till next time!